I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. What Drives You is brought to you by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping life and leadership coaches. Visit Ziggler.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. Yeah. The world is built on drive and there's no positive movement without driven people. Your authentic drive comes from knowing what you truly want and being in agreement with why. That's alignment. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. This is the What Drives You podcast, where I talk with today's most positively influential people to uncover what truly drives them and extract the essence of what drives us in all the key areas of life. In this episode, I'm back with Eduardo Bersinio to find out what drives him in the key areas of life. In the previous episode, Eduardo and I kicked off a series on mindset. That's what, what the series we're in right now. Uh, as Eduardo is a Stanford trained mindset expert and author of The Performance Paradox, Turning the Power of Mindset into Action. He's co-founder of Mindset Works with renowned Stanford psychologist, Carol Dweck. And uh, you can find Eduardo. I think you'll want to tune in to everything he's doing after you hear this. Uh, you can find him at B-R-I-C-E-N-O.com. Uh, Eduardo, good to talk again, man. Great to be with you again, Kevin. Thanks. Well, this, uh, yeah, I'm curious. I mean, this is all about mindset. I mean, this every every aspect here is, and I'm eager to walk through it with you and find out more about you as well. Uh, and regards to what drives you spiritually, tell me about your values there and the the habits that you employ there and your mindset around spirituality. Yeah. Um, well, my my most treasured spiritual habit is what I do first thing in the morning every day. Uh, when I wake up, I decide to get out of bed. I um, just express gratitude for the things that I value most, which are kind of life, health, love, and peace. I um, see each of those things as kind of a, a glass partly full. And I think that what, what I love about that practice is that it helps me remind myself of what's most important to me and also pay attention to the things that are there in my life and in the world. Um, because, you know, my knee might hurt, there might be some disease or, or death or conflict in the world, but I want to pay attention to all the love and peace and health and relationships that there is. Um, and so that's, that's spiritually puts me into a great kind of state of mind and emotions. And then I also meditate, um, uh, each day, uh, just 
kind of nascent. You know, I've done it for like 10 years, but I only do it for like five to 10 minutes each day. Sometimes I, I don't do it, but I just, will just do it for like a second or two to just keep the habit. Um, and I would say that I, I grew up as um, nominal Catholic. Like I grew up in Venezuela where everybody was Catholic. We took like religion classes in school, but I never kind of went to church. It never was something that I really deeply connected with. So I was more like, you know, no beliefs for a lot of my life. And then at some point I ended up uh, kind of coming up with my own belief system. And for me, you know, what I came to is um, I came to define God as that which makes everything happen. That's just, you know, I, I have kind of a, I just, there's a, so much that I don't understand and that I will never understand because we have kind of bounded rationality. And and so I, I see God as that which makes everything happen. And then the second part of my kind of belief system is is the faith part, which is I I just choose to believe that God is good. That you know there's there's things that I don't understand, but God is wise, and that helps me kind of cope with the, the difficult moments in life. So those are things that uh, you know I've kind of developed in terms of my spirituality, and of course um, there are things that I could continue to grow in my spirituality and we could talk about those things, but um, that's kind of where I am now. Well, I'll ask that then because we hit on this a little bit in the first episode talking about belief. And I actually kind of, you know, I shared a little bit about my own upbringing in a fairly strict religious construct and that it's interesting now that even though I have some of, I have my faith in some of the same areas I'm surely not as fixed as far as how I think that, you know, how it, how it plays out. And yeah, I do. I want to continue growing even again, even as I hold on to, to dear faith in a lot of things, but to be careful about how fixed I am in that construct. So when you say that, that there's still areas, yeah, you want to grow in your own spirituality. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, you know, I there's always more to kind of grow, right? And um, in spirituality, I would say growing in my spirituality is not my top priority right now. I have other areas that I'm working on proactively, but um, kind of whether it is opportunistically, like sometimes, you know, when I'm in nature, I like to think about how, um, whether it's plants or other animals or me, we all came from the same place that kind of puts me into a spiritual place or when I look into space and the the enormity of space and how special it is what we have here on earth that puts me into a, a spiritual place but in terms of kind of spiritual growth one thing that I'm curious about that I think at some point I'll do is kind of si using psychedelics like guided to 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 grow spiritually right whether it is to better like sense the collective unconscious for example um but the the uh, psychedelics are something that I'll probably do at some point, but I don't want to do yet because I think it could also open up like a can of worms that I don't want to open up. Yeah. Um, and like I'm, I'm having, I'm, I'm having a, like a great life right now, and I don't want to turn it upside down right now. But maybe like in the future. But but I I have done things similar to it. Um, I listened to this uh, checks. Uh, uh, he's a psychiatrist. His name is Stan Groff. And he did some work with psychedelics, but he also developed um, this method called holotropic breath work, where you use your breath to 
to tap into your unconscious and bring some things into the conscious so you can work on them. And I've done some workshops on that and they've been really powerful. There's kind of like a, a lower stakes way to tap into the unconscious and do some spiritual growth. So I've done a little bit of that, but it's not like a priority that, you know, I'm working on actively. Uh, it's, thank you. Thanks for sharing. I've, I've just barely touched on the breath work aspect of that and want to do that more. And the, um, yeah, the, uh, uh, psychedelics, that's one that we'll do at some point. Uh, we had somebody that came, came on. And I thought, well, I, I was, I'm going to consider trying doing some before we, we do that, but man, there's just so many people that I respect. They're talking about it. It's really hard to avoid the topic. So I need to do something on it. So it's good to hear that you're headed down that road too, or, or at least interested in it. Uh, well, the next one is relationships, Eduardo. So tell me about what drives you as you look at the relationships in your world. Yeah. And I guess when, both relationship spirituality, when I think about what drives me, um, the, the highest level goal in my life for me is happiness, which, you know, I, I can describe as happiness, fulfillment, and appreciation. So it's a sort of like calm and fulfillment. And, um, and so when I think about why do I want to grow in spirituality is to drive my happiness, fulfillment, appreciation. Why do I want to, you know, grow in my relationship, my drive is my, you know, growing my happiness, fulfillment, and appreciation. So when it comes to relationships, um, my, 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 by far my most important relationship, is my wife, Allison, we've been married for 24 years oh. and, um, it's, it's just been a fantastic life partner. We have a lot in common. We learn together. We have fun together. Um, I, we don't have kids. We got married young. We were 23 and, um, a few years in, we thought, oh, you know, we really like it as it is. We get a lot of fulfillment from other things. And we, we stayed it. We kept it like that. We have some got children that, that we enjoy spending time with. Um, and then there's the kind of my family of origin and my old friends that I love and I like to spend time with. Um, and then there's the kind of more recent friends, which I've, I would say have more in common with me. Like, and, and that we, um, we, we kind of spend time um, learning together and and doing kind of similar pursuing similar passions and purpose, um, but you know relationships like we talked about before are are really important and something that I, I work to cultivate. What do you find yourself gravitating towards as far as a yeah the interests in a relationship like you know you enjoy doing things with people or talking about specific things, ideas or events, you know, we kind of, it's been a topic of interest to me to see what is it that kind of inspires us or, or, or again, we gravitate towards relationally. What would you say it is for you? I think it probably varies with the person or with the context. There's different types of relationships. A lot of them have um, been developed a bit opportunistically with people who I connect with. And then we start um, developing a relationship, but at, so I, I I have a special type of relationship with a couple of people that I meet with one-on-one -on -one for the most part, uh, every kind of like six weeks to two months. And it's kind of like a friend tour relationship where we are, uh, we're very transparent with each other. We go into like things that we don't tend to share with a lot of people that are more superficial. We, we, we share deep things. We tend to be interested in, self-improvement but also in helping other people and supporting them in their self-improvement so we support each other in kind of 
what we're trying or learn, learning from each other, but also what are we grappling with? What are we struggling with to, to, to give each other ideas uh, and support one another? Um, so that's a structure that I really value and it's not that common. Um, there's also like um, a similar structures that are just like small group, whether it's a small group to learn about kind of race and racial equity and what I can do to better understand that and what I can do to make the world a more fair and equitable place. So we, you know, we meet like every two weeks to like read and, and watch things and then we talk about them. Um, so I guess, you know, I'm passionate about learning and um, there, there are certain relationships where I kind of learn and support with others. And I really, really treasure that. Okay. Well, I want to, I'm going to refer back. So in episode one, we talked about that. It's actually chapter seven in Eduardo's book. And he goes through the five key elements that drive growth. Number five is community. So if you didn't hear that, go back and you'll hear us talk more because it sounds like that's what it is. You have a community there of people you're meeting with to, to literally walk out your growth mindset life. And yeah, you're right. It's so uh, not common. So, uh, a lot of people out there will hear that with interest. So yeah, you can refer back to that. And of course he talks about it in the book as well. And, and it is interesting. Um, I appreciate you saying that you guys, you know, married 24 years, don't have children. You get, you have fulfillment with other things that comes up a lot because any show that, you know, I more and more I'm on other people's shows now and it always comes up. You got nine kids, seriously. And, uh, and I talk about that. Some of our closest friends who are actually the godparents to our children don't have kids. And I got to see them so closely and see that, oh my gosh, they get to experience things that I don't. So I, yeah, kids is a miraculous thing. It's awesome. But over here, what they're able to invest in and other people that they're invest in, I don't have the capacity to. So I appreciate you pointing that out. Well, and you talk about that in your book, Kevin, and I really appreciate it. You're talking about your reflections there because um, when, you know, when we got married, I think we assumed that we were going to have kids because that's what everybody does. We sure. never really, we never really uh, considered the alternative. And there's sometimes kind of guilt that comes with that pressure from families or society yeah. and so in reading your book and saying hey i have nine nine kisses works really well for me i love them but this is not the only way to have a full life that gave me permission you know and and it, it told me that it's okay to live my life as i am and and when i say i wish i had read your book 20 or 30 years ago like that's just one example of like getting greater clarity on, on living life intentionally and some of the things to think about. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I hope, I, I really hope that my book helps give people permission to consider what it is that they want. It may not be the cultural expectations. And I've got I, some of my nine kids, I, there'll be, my bet is there'll be at least a couple who don't have kids. And I think most of them will not have nine kids. They may have one, they may have, you know, may have two. If, if one of them has a bunch of kids, I'll be, uh, I had one kid say, this family is my greatest gift, daddy. I love it. I'm not doing it though. So just so <laughs> it's a fair enough, fair enough. Well, health and wellness, uh, is the next one, uh, Eduardo. And you've talked about that as a key value, but tell me about specifically, uh, your well, and, and as I since I separated out because the next one we'll come to is mind and mental. Let's go look at health and wellness primarily from a physiological standpoint. So, sure. So, for me, health and wellness, the most important thing is sleep. Uh, mm. I really need to sleep, otherwise, like, yeah, it's I just operate so much less effectively, both in learning and performing. 
um, also food, nutrition, um, in particular, getting nutrients into my body, like especially micronutrients. So uh, eating as much whole plant-based food as possible uh, is kind of the, the base of what my wife and I eat. Um, and those two things are, I would say, the foundation of my physical health. Um, there's other things that I've learned. I, I actually developed a strong repetitive strain injury called myofascial pain syndrome, which led me to shift careers and to start doing the work that I do now. And so, but how I hold my body is part of my health using um, good ergonomics in what I do is part of my health. Um, I, I meditate kind of upside down, hanging from my ankles in an immersion mm-hmm. table. Mm-hmm. And that's that I like that. So, you know, things that I do and working out, right. I, I like to use the Peloton. I like to do intense workouts as well as whole body workouts. Um, but if I, if I'm really busy going through a crunch time, you know, I might not do like the cardio or strength, but I will continue with the sleep and the nutrition. Those are the, the really, really important things for me. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to think about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and Air Doctor is just the best. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin.
tell me about the sleep specifically. What do you do to get good quality sleep? How long do you sleep? Tell me, give me some specifics. Yeah, I, um, I go, I think the key for me is going to bed early. Uh, that is the most important thing. Um, and, um, kind of having a little bit of a wind down before that. I like to read before I'm going to bed, which is just uh, another personal interest and something I enjoy. Uh, so having, um, uh, that is the key thing is going to bed early. And sometimes, you know, I struggle with sleep. Sometimes um, I might wake up in the middle of the night and my, my mind is racing. I'm just thinking about things and I might get up for like an hour or two and do something and go back to bed later. So I'm still trying to figure out what are, the best habits and when do I stay in bed and when do I get out and then come back? Um, and, and that's something to continue to work on, to improve. But in things like sleep or meditation, I sometimes find it's a little bit harder than other areas to improve because effort might be counterproductive, right? And so um, I need to find strategies that help me. And, uh, and sometimes that's about like less effort rather than more effort. And so those are things that I'm working on. Yeah. On the food, you mentioned uh, micronutrients, plant-based. Are you all plant-based or just try to be primarily? It is primarily plant-based. When I am home, I'm 95% whole plant-based. Uh, when I'm traveling, I'm going to a place. I like to kind of eat the food off the place, so I'm a lot more relaxed. Or when I'm in social settings, I like to... Um, you know, sometimes eat whatever people want to eat. Uh, so I, I try not to have it constrain me. Um, but I follow the the kind of philosophy of a Dr. Joel Furman. He's written a bunch of books, including Eat for Health. And he's what he calls a nutritarian. So nutritarian, if we think about vegetarian or vegan, they are about what you don't eat. You know, it's you, you have a vegetarian is, is people who don't eat X or Y. Vegan is people who don't eat X and Y. Nutritarian it instead focuses on what you do want to eat, right? You do want to eat like whole plant-based foods and that's because you want to put nutrients into your body. Um, and so it's not about, like you can be a vegan or, and a vegetarian by just eating the Doritos, right? But a vegetarian is about what, you, what you're eating more of rather than what, what you want to be eat less of. I, I, that's great. I can't believe I've never heard of that. I've literally never heard of that. And all this time, a nutritarian, I, that's uh i'm gonna add that to i call myself a flexitarian that we're, we're not as rigid as we used to be but with what we do we want to be a little little bit flexible kind of 80 20 but nutritarian okay i'm gonna adopt that eduardo thank you um i did want to ask you just to give me a little bit more on the condition that you said you suffered from and actually yeah. changed what you do as a result of that and you mentioned going into you know the ergonomics are are important tell, tell me what that was again and and just a quick explanation yeah, that's called myofascial pain syndrome, and it is a repetitive strain injury, which was caused. It was really hard to diagnose. I had to before that. I saw I saw doctors as car mechanics, where I would abuse my body. I would go to the doctor and expect them to fix it. And then when I did that with this, the doctor treated me with physical therapy and stuff. And then eventually he said, like, I, I don't know what we're doing. It's not working, but I don't know what you have. And so then I went to, a, he said, go to this um, orthopedic surgeon, see what she thinks. And I, I went to her and she said, you know, a lot of people would diagnose you with um, carpal tunnel syndrome and they would operate on you. I will just tell you, you don't have carpal tunnel syndrome. Uh, don't let them operate you on you because a lot of people would. 
but I don't know what you have. And so I started like getting worried, you know, and like trying, I tried lots of things like acupuncture and lots of things. And eventually I, I was diagnosed with this myofascial pain syndrome and I learned about it. And um, what happens is that I was literally approaching my work and my day as a sprint every day, like as if, as if I was in a race every day, thinking if I just tense myself up and I give 120% every minute, then I'll perform better. And I could have done that. I could have given 120% in a different, just holding my body differently or just, just having a different kind of mind and spirit differently. But in, in tensing my muscles all the time, what happened is that muscles are very malleable, like the brain is, and the muscles adjusted to contracting all the time. They lost the ability to relax. And wow. so they hardened. They became very hard. They became a lot of, uh, a lot of kind of trigger points in my muscles. And what happens is that then when it's really hard and contracted, it makes it hard for blood to enter the muscles so that the blood can bring nutrients to heal. And plus I wasn't eating well, I wasn't exercising. Um, and so, um, so then what needed to happen is um, a combination of stretching. Like you can literally, my, the person who treated me would measure my range of motion and I would like chart it over time. And with a lot of stretching, with a lot of kind of deep tissue massage with some dry, um, dry needling, which mm -hmm. is using needles in the trigger points. Uh, all of this helped the muscles get back to a, a lar long, relaxed state where they could have the, the conditions to heal. And, and so, yeah, so those are some of the things, but, but in, at the time I was, I was about 27 years old and I was losing my ability to use my hands. No, not only was it painful, but um, I met some people with the same condition who couldn't use their hands for more than 10 minutes a day. And I, that, you know, I was really nervous because I was like, well, I don't know how to do anything without my hands. And am I going to be able to even work? Um, and so I thought it was a really horrible thing that was happening to me. But in retrospect, like it was such a gift because I learned a lot about health. It, it, it made me realize I want to do something with my hands that I feel is fulfilling and worthwhile. So I, I changed careers as a result of that. And so much great stuff has come out of it. So one of the big, big lessons for me was just in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a hard time, you know, there can be great things that come out of it. And so we need to kind of think about what that might be. Gosh, that's tremendous. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. I'm so grateful that you actually found your way out of that, obviously. Um, and, and you're mentioning of trying So my studio is in a, a medical practice that I uh, co-founded, uh, how it runs today. And we have a, a guy who does dry needling and I had never experienced it. And a lifetime of, you know, injuries from my athletic career and, and whatnot, and seen a lot of chiropractors, a lot of back problems, whatever, but I have never had as much, this is a, a this is a free ad for dry needling, wherever you can find it. I've never had a, as immediate of results from uh, the dry needling as, uh, from anything else. It's been tremendous. I'm a huge fan. I, I so appreciate that practice i guess that methodology yeah me too it's amazing I, I went for six weeks to dc to get dry needling treatment every day and it was super intense and super helpful and i would just say that it is also a really difficult practice at least a dry needling that i got is dry needling where the needle an acupuncture needle goes into a trigger point and when yeah. when it works there's what's called a twitch response so the the muscle jumps and there's a lot of people who try like it takes a lot of skill 
palpation, like, and all kinds of things. And some, you might go like for listeners, you might go to a dry needling place where it, it might not be, be done effectively. And the way, you know, that is done effectively is because there's a lot of twitch responses uh, that that the muscle is doing um, when the needle goes in. Yeah, it's really weird. I don't like it. I don't, I don't really, I don't really look forward to it because even this guy, he's incredible. He gets the twitch almost every time, and yet I still just really eager for him to be done. But man, the results are tremendous. So there's some uh, interesting info for for everyone out there. Well, the next one, Eduardo, is mental. And we've, you know, we've touched on that, but, and I really like to approach this one to begin with on what drives you on what state of mind are you trying? I like what you said about like being a, a, uh, what was it? A nutritarian that the focus is on what do I want? I like that from the mental standpoint of what drives you, you're driving towards what, what is it that you want mentally? Yeah. I want to feel grounded, calm, clear, um, I, um, yeah, those are the things I, I want to feel kind of love for other people and um, happy, fulfilled. So those are things that I want to feel. And um, I talked about my kind of gratitude practice at the, the first thing that I do every day. That's super help, super helpful for this as well as meditation. And I guess that for my mental health, what I would add is um, I think that we live in a world with a lot of like, there's so many things trying to grab our attention. And so I try to protect my attention. Like for example, my phone is most of the time is on silent and I have the privilege of being able to do that because I don't have kids. Right. So, you know, my wife works at home. I work at home. So when, when we're together, I can put my phone on silent and, and it doesn't bother me. Um, when I, I like to do a lot of deep work. So I, I close out of everything and I just work on the one thing. And that just helps my, you know, my mental health as well as my learning and my performance, my effectiveness. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying that because I, I do have kids, uh, but I do keep, I still don't like the alerts. They just give me anxiety. So I don't get my text out a lot. And my family has, I use iMessage. So it's on my computer and, you know, I can see it and they can usually get a hold of me. But man, I, I don't know how people deal with that, that they constantly have the alerts. It's such an anxiety aspect. I did want to ask here in this category, Eduardo, we talked about it in the first, our first conversation about the growth mindset, giving hope that in a fixed mindset, we're so confined, we're so limited. And so I'm thinking about this in regards to my own mental state that I think we kind of talked about red flags that I'm going to be thinking for myself when I have a, a negative emotion going on. And I realize that I've got, you know, fear, doubt, anxiety, worry, whatever it may be. What is that? And my, I'm going to play with that for a while because my, my inclination, well, you can verify it is that I may be, there's something fixed in me, something that doesn't feel hopeful, something that feels confined in me just feels like a tangible way of looking at it. Well, how am I not seeing opportunity and possibility and a growth mindset for my mental state? I, I don't know. It's just, you've got me thinking on that. Yeah, there might be, you know, if we're, if we're experiencing anxiety on depression or depression, there might be something of a fixed mindset underneath that, or it might be something else, you know, uh, emotions are, very helpful as kind of flags that help us think about, hey, what might be drawing this negative emotion or positive emotion, and and um, and that's why it's helpful for us to um, to 
and acknowledge our emotions, sometimes to talk about our emotions with others, they can be a great kind of window into a conversation or into some insight. Um, and it, when it comes to mental states, also I, I should mention, like I work with a therapist to to continue to grow in my mental health and in, in, in other ways. And when there's challenging things going on in my life, you know, they help me um, work through those things. So that's something, another habit that I really value to to, to build my mental health. Yeah. Well, likewise. Yeah. Next one's work, Eduardo. So work, career, uh, business, what's driving you? I'll say what's driving you now. Cause that's an evolving thing, right? It usually. So right now, what's, what's driving you regarding your work? Yeah. So for the last 16 years, purpose has been a huge driver for me and that's contributing to other people in particular, contributing to helping make the world a more learning oriented place, right? It's where people connect more with learning, build learning habits as individuals, but also in teams and organizations. And so that contribution um, of, of supporting people in their growth in whatever they want to, um, their, whatever they're interested in, uh, that is a huge driver for me. Mm -hmm. And as part of that, like, me growing in the process, right? In the process of doing the post this podcast, for example, I read your book and I learned a lot from that book. So I find a lot of opportunities, whether I'm working with a particular company, uh, learning about their business, learning about their industry, or if I'm going to an event where I'm a public speaker, you know, I do lots of keynotes. I, I, I watch the other public speakers and learn about their content and learn about how they go about it, doing a keynote. And so I, I find a lot of opportunities for my own growth. And that is also a driver for me as well. Well, I appreciate that making the world a more learning place. And, and again, I want to draw everybody back to our first conversation to your book, the performance paradox. I mean, that's, that was as opposed to getting stuck in performance. And, and again, you're not, we, we got to perform too. There's the time for that, but we are in a culture that's primarily just performing all the time, not stopping to learn. So to see that that's, I mean, that obviously that's the, uh, I assume that's the drive for your book. And that was it. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it is an, uh, an opportunity to contribute and share what I've learned in the last 16 years, but it was also an opportunity to learn. I interviewed over a hundred people it, working on the book, helped me think and crystallize my frameworks, trying to come up with illustrations, help me like, continue to develop the way I think and the way I think about some of these ideas and how they fit together. Well, I, thanks for pulling that out. That, I think that that's probably, a, that'd be a fun, I'll, I'll, that'd be a fun topic to talk with more authors about, you know, cause I think you get the aspect of, Oh, somebody arrived, they figured this out, they nailed it. And then they wrote a book about it. And maybe there are some that, that had that. Yeah, we did this and it worked. And so we wrote a book about it. And yet, I found just like you did, man, I learned so much. This is this issue that I thought this is something, this is important to me. I do understand some of it, but then as I got into it, man, I learned so much. I have so much fun, uh, continuing to, I think, I, I think I learn a lot from interviews when people have me on and they're asking me issues about the book and, and I'll realize, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that I'm sitting here taking notes on my own interview uh, yeah. about things that I learned that we learned so much from writing a book. It's probably a good impetus to, you know, take something that you care about and write a book, whether you tend to do something or not, you learn so much. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I would say also more broadly for people is 
taking a challenge. Like when I when I started working this book, and you and I are both first time authors, uh, I didn't know whether I was going to succeed. You know, I didn't know whether I could write like a a, a fantastic book that I wanted to write. Uh, it was a big challenge. I knew I had to learn a lot of things. I need to collaborate with people who are experts at, at books. Um, and I went into the unknown. I leaped into the unknown. And that's one way to, to force ourselves uh, into a situation where there's a lot of opportunity for learning. And then if we go about it in a deliberate way where we do take advantage of those opportunities for learning, then we can come across, we can, we can finish the project having completed so, something awesome like a book or something else and also having grown in the process. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, it's. It, I almost said it when you when we talked in the first uh, episode about critiquing. That you want to you want to take a lesson in critiquing, write a book, especially a traditionally published book. You are going to get critiqued. Uh, totally. Because I, I wrote my book, I did my performance, and I gave it to them, and they they basically said, uh, "Nope, that's not totally. going to do it, man." And I had to go. I actually went and I took my advance, some of my advance money and went and paid for more outside help to get it critiqued and then brought it back. And then they said, that's yeah, good. And now we're going to critique the crap out of it again, which they did. And yeah, what a lesson in critiquing. Absolutely. And I did the same thing. And the, the, the critiquing on the drafts, just finding my voice and what the book was supposed yeah. to sound like took a year. Like, and we want at the beginning, we wanted to finish the book in a year and it took over three years. Uh, but whether it was critique from fantastic editors or writers or readers, uh, it's so much learning there. Okay. Me too. I was supposed to be a year. I was two and a half. So, mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Well, next one, Eduardo, is money, finances, wealth, even possessions. I like to put in there. But what what what's dri what is, is driving you again today? Uh, it can't be historically, but what's driving you uh, in regards to finances? Well, my wife, Allison, and I are, are very lucky to be very aligned on this. And for us, money, the purpose of money is to not worry about money. Is is to like ideally, and we're very privileged to just get it, have it be out of the equation. And the way, like a primary way to do that for us is to spend below our means. Like we just don't care so much about luxurious things, you know, we have a car that's like 11 years old and another one's 23 years old. And that just helps me like think about what's important. And it's not like a car. <laughs> that's just not important to me. Yeah. And so uh, for me, uh, I'm, you know, we're privileged that we have good jobs and good paying jobs. And we live like, you know, a middle class life. And that makes it so that we don't have to worry about money. And then we can enjoy life fully in other ways. I love that statement. The purpose of money is to not worry about money. That's pretty much sums it up. Um, I look at the, yeah, well, I guess that's a big one. I mean, you look at the mindset around money and I'm tempted to say, Eduardo, I mean, you've, you've been doing the research that money may be an area where we tend to have a more, tend to suffer from a more fixed mindset as far as what we see, what we can do with it or how much we can make of it or how much, you know, that we look at that and we kind of put ourselves in a socioeconomic level. We don't really see ourselves outside of that, that it's probably an area, is it, where we tend to suffer quite a bit from a fixed mindset? It can be, yeah. I mean, uh, we might have assumptions from the way our parents handle money or, uh, yeah, what we're capable of or not. So it, it can be. 
Yeah, the question is like, can I get better at managing money or at my relationship with money? Um, and those are things we can think about. Yeah. Uh, last one here is, uh, you know, in the book, now you brought this up, so I'm going to, we'll play with this for a minute is, is achievements. I, I look at achievement. What's drive, you know, I'm going to do that with you. How, this is the first episode of the actual, what drives you to do that though. I also want to do what I normally do and ask just about some of the personal interests over here, but let's do that with achievements that, I mean, we know that the achievements, what we have done, what we want to do is something that drives uh, us that matters so in, you know, intimately to us. It's how it's a lot of our identity, uh, what we have done, what we haven't done, whatnot. So when you look at achievements, I'd say what, uh, I'll ask what drives you though. It's a, it's a curious question to ask what has driven you to, and if that's changed. Mm -hmm. I think, so I, I have become, I was very achievement oriented early on. Uh, I, like I wanted to get good grades. I wanted to get, especially at, at work, great reviews and to be well thought of. Um, and um, I think it was driven by wanting to feel worthy, which I think we all want to do. Yeah. And at some point, to some extent, uh, trying to seek kind of social status or respect from other people. And I think that's something that we need. You know, we, in, in our distant past, people who were rejected from their clan died, right? We need each other to survive. Um, and so what other people think of us is something that matters to us. And something that's very salient that people value is our achievement, right? Whether, you know, you were a pro cyclist that, that increases your social status, that says that kind of you're worthy to, to you and to others. Um, and you have a successful podcast, you're a successful author, like all those things kind of make us feel worthy. Um, but I think, and, and, and so when now I, I think I'm, I'm a, a bit more free of that need to achieve, to prove myself, because I, I feel like I have kind of proven myself uh, enough. Like I still sometimes f fall into that, right. but I, I think I'm more free now to uh, really take risks and do things that are interesting and outside of my comfort zone and things that are, I'm, I'm more of a novice in because I feel like, okay, I've, I've proved myself enough. Like I, I, I just have done enough and now I can really live and enjoy life and still be very driven to contribute and to do great work. And, and when I, when I set a goal, I really want to try to succeed at it. Right. So if I, if I take on writing a book, like I want to write a great freaking book and I worked so hard at it, right. Cause it's a goal that I set, or if I'm going to do a keynote, like I want to do a great keynote. Um, but I want to be mindful about kind of what goals I set, the process to get to excellence being one that's learning and that's going to be, you know, going out of my comfort zone and trying new things and, and asking other people for ideas, uh, soliciting feedback, things like that, uh, so that I can continue to achieve and perform. But, but the, I'm kind of less, uh, and what I want to be and what I'm getting better at is being less attached to the outcome and more enjoying the process and the process of growth. Goodness. Yeah. That's, thank you for that. That was, uh, that same very similar line came out of Robert Waldinger had him on the show. And he says, yeah, this, when I asked, it mentioned achievements and he said, I'm much more focused, uh, not as much focused on the achievement, but am I enjoying the path there, the process there? So, uh, that'll speak to, it speaks to me, speaks, it'll speak to a lot of people. I do want to then end at least with the interest. I like that the personal interest, the things that you do, 
that may not be in the productive, you know, aspect. It's just what you do that gives you joy, inspires you. Absolutely. And I would say I feel a lot of alignment in my life. And if I, a lot of the things, we, the other areas we talked about um, give me a lot of joy and fulfillment. So I don't feel the need to add a whole lot more. Um, but some other things that we haven't talked about that give me joy, uh, one is like my wife and I love to hike. Uh, we spent a year and a half in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and just going on hikes in nature is something that we enjoy. Every evening, I like to read things that are kind of unrelated to my work. So right now I'm reading kind of Clan, Clan of the Cave Bear, which is historical fiction that takes place like 30,000 years ago. I'm loving that book. Uh, and sometimes we, I, we read, often I read to my wife. So we're reading the same book where I read aloud as we go to bed and we enjoy that. Um, uh, and, you know, whether it's kind of uh, time with friends or uh, travel, often we integrate opportunities to travel, like whether I'm traveling or my wife is traveling for her work, you know, the other will tag along or sometimes we'll travel, obviously, just for pure pleasure. Uh, but those are some of the things that, that we enjoy doing together. Yeah. Hey, it's been a gift to hear the behind the scenes and the aspects that drive you and as they relate to, to mindset. Um, I keep coming. I'll say, yeah, please. you know, I'll say, I'll say that on the personal interest side, there are some things, there's, there's more things that I would love to do than there's time for, right? And so um, I, I envision when, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, I might be doing certain things that I am intrigued by that I'm not doing right now because I just don't want to add too much to my life. But that might include like composing music, for example, something that I'm really interested in or getting a group of people to, re to envision what the next civilization could look like. That's something else that I'm intrigued by. Or, you know, using kind of animation to tell kind of stories uh, to, to foster radical imagination. So there's, there's this personal interest that I have that I'm not actively acting upon uh, that I might kind of, you know, do more of in the future as, as, as there's more time in my life. That's an interesting way to look at it. It'd be an interesting qu question for guests that if you, you know, if you had an extra uh, X hours a day that had to be devoted to something totally different, what would it be? Cause I have those as well. Things that I enjoy that I'll do in cycles of woodwork stuff that I enjoy. And I haven't done a, I haven't done a project in a while and I don't miss it. I've just, yeah, I've had other things that I wanted to invest in. It's a great way of looking at it and I don't want to add too much to my plate, but yeah, at some point I'll get back. I'll get back to that and some other interests as well. Um, well, Hey, thank you, man. It has been uh, such a gift and, and to give everybody a resource, uh, Eduardo, you can connect with them at B R I C E N O.com. The book again, you can see it over my shoulder. If you're watching the video is the performance paradox, turning the power of mindset into action. Uh, and he, again, is co-founder of Mindset Works with, uh, with Carol Dweck that a lot of people know. And if you appreciate this podcast and, uh, we'd love to get a rating on Spotify and a review on Apple and be great if you'd talk about what you found in this episode, what you heard from Eduardo, what stuck out, what you benefited from, how it, uh, improved your growth mindset is the hopeful point here. You can see us on YouTube. 
just go to Kevin Miller CEO. That's where you can also find me on all the social media. We'll have a bunch of clips out with Eduardo there as well. And if you want to learn how to master your own inner drive, get my book, What Drives You on Amazon. And until next time, stay driven. Yeah.